And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry. Hear that couple shouting, it's Stainer and Jay. It's Stainer and Jay. All right, welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast Growling. Paul, you Morrison of The Athletic, excited to be here with you on a Thursday. Jay, I'm more excited than you. You know, you what? are? How do you, you know, know how excited I, I am? I don't need a way. I, don't, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't prejudge your excitement <laughs> level. I have more reason to be excited than you. Are you excited? Um, I'm always excited. Yeah, okay. It's but, good. But why, are you, why are you overly excited today? Oh, because I'm going to New Orleans for three days and you're not. Uh, I'm no longer excited. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, every you know, every once in a while, uh we'll tag the extra day onto the front of a good roadie because mm. uh, it's worth it. And uh yeah, obviously Bengals fans that are uh doing the same understand that New Orleans certainly worth it. Very excited to get down there and uh take in a little bit of the town, see our good friend Kat Terrell. Uh, and who I, I think has some big plans for Saturday afternoon, uh, <laughs> that we're, we're going to tap into and, and there's just going to be, it's going to be good food. It's going to be a good time and, uh, it should be a fun game on Sunday too, which we are here to talk about. So, um, um, it's going to be a good time. I am excited and you, you will be too. We'll, we'll talk, we'll talk on Sunday. I'll tell you all about it. There's, there's a chance. I'll be buying a new car on Saturday. So I don't know whether that's exciting or scary because I just hate that whole process. But when it comes to tacking on the extra day to these road trips, I I feel like New Orleans is one where maybe you should tack on the extra day on Monday, just a recovery day and let me take care of pressers on Monday. Well, whenever you start getting into the negotiating period, just let them know that you have a very popular podcast that you are willing (laughs) to take shots at them for if they don't give you what you want. Okay. (laughs) Good to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. We got a lot to get to. We're going to run through some news. We're going to talk a little bit more about everyone's favorite topic of play calling because we just seemingly can't get enough of that. Um, but there's a, other aspects of it. Joe Burrow talking about it on Wednesday. Uh, you'll hear from him. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more of the offensive line side of this thing, which we've kind of hasn't probably been enough of the conversation because they've been quietly okay um and that's kind of part of the conversation there too um we're going to talk a little bit about the defense as they head into a game against an interesting saints offense that is beaten and battered uh but gonna try to trot some people out there and we don't even know who the quarterbacks or receivers are going to be uh but there's a potential they could be good there's a potential they might have a bunch of backups in there so it's kind of a lot of interesting things going there. I got a few of your questions that we're going to answer. Uh, our guy, Brody Miller, friend of the program, uh, who has covered LSU, and so we pretty much have to have him on at least once a year. Usually it's around the draft, but the Bengals didn't yeah. dive into the LSU draft uh, this past year, but this was a perfect time to do it to catch up with him about 
uh, all things New Orleans waiting for Burrow and Chase to come back. And I love talking to him about the evolution of Burrow and Chase because he's he's seen so much uh, from where they started to where they've gone, and you can tell a lot about their development um, and just a lot of great stuff. And plus, of course, for all of you that are going to New Orleans, maybe you're on the plane right now listening to this, Brody's got food and drink wrecks for you, okay? So you can – good locals insight on where to go if you are making the trip down to New Orleans and many, many, many many of you hmm. are. Um, then, of course, we will have our Arby's. We will have some run, passer boots, some Bengals growler bet, and uh, predictions, all those things coming your way. We can start with news, though, Jay. Yeah, we should. Um, Khalid Kareem back on in the locker room, not on the 53. They cut him. Uh, he cleared waivers, uh, and they signed him to the practice squad today. Um, they, so they're, they're sitting now at 52. Uh, they have an open spot. Um, I, my guess, and maybe you know more, but I, I, I expect them to fill that spot with Isaiah Prince. I mean, with where Jonah is right yeah. now, they're going to need another tackle. Um, it was a curious, a curious move to expose Kareem because they do like him, uh, and to to get him on the practice squad, they have to cut him, expose him to waivers. He did clear. Um, and then uh, injury wise, uh, your your standard what you expected. Jonah and T did not practice on Wednesday. Um, neither did Leo Collins, which of course is going to be a standard Wednesday thing. Samaj P Ryan showed up with a abdomen injury and and was limited on Wednesday, um, along with Devin Asiasi. So um, I, I think I think that covers the news. Yeah, Jonah Williams talked about yeah. his injury uh, more in depth yesterday. This is crazy. So yeah, it is. He, he said when he, if you watch, it was looked like almost like a non-contact injury when you originally saw it, thought maybe this was, uh, you know, like an ACL, like you just see that, that pop. His kneecap dislocated and went around the side of his like knee and then popped back into place. Uh, total dislocation. It was like around the back. And so when it was sort of referenced as a an MCL, I think by Zach Taylor at some point because I, I mean the MCL is near. It must have scraped the MCL on its <laughs> part on its orbit around his leg. Uh, but just a scary thought. Uh, but they were able to sort of pop it back into into place, or it popped back into place, I guess. Um, and he played through it and gutted through it. But he's he's definitely feeling feeling it. Um, but whew, that is you talk these guys. We we do not probably talk enough about just the warrior nature of these guys and, and how yeah. they do this. It's insane. It's insane. I mean, it was remarkable how we kind of mentioned this on the last pod, but how he couldn't even bend his leg when he was walking on Monday, and then Wednesday he's he's walking around fine. Now he was not. T was on the the practice field. He was doing rehab work. Uh, Jonah was not out there at all during the portion open to the media. So um, I, I I think it's still we're up in the air, whether he's going to be able to go this week or not. But yes, just to, just the, even the thought of him possibly playing after dislocating his kneecap is, is pretty remarkable. Uh, we'll see what happens with all these saints. Um, yeah, but sure. their injury report, all three of their top receivers um, were on there as did not practice. They didn't practice. So Olave, Michael Thomas, um, and Jarvis Landry all did not practice. Marshawn Lattimore 
Um, you've got a lot of guys that they have dinged up or are sitting or didn't practice on Wednesday. And so that'll be something to keep an eye on. The Saints have a lot of injury issues that they're trying to work their way through. Obviously, Jameis Winston came back in a limited fashion. Will they go with him? Will it be Andy Dalton that will end up being the starter and try to go 3-0 against the Bengals? Um, a lot to keep an eye on with the Saints over the next couple of days as they sort out their injury situation. So that Saints injury report on Friday will probably be filled with a bunch of questionables, but there could be some interesting outs uh, on there. We'll see how that how that plays. Yeah, a couple notes. Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill the, the reigning NFC Offensive Player of the Week, uh, also on that he was limited with ribs injury. And Olave, you mentioned the three receivers. Olave's on there with a concussion. And yeah. we, we know where how they're looking at these so much closer now. So I, I would think his status is is really iffy for the game. Um, just a, a terrific having a terrific rookie year. And but we've seen this a lot. It seems like every week the Bengals opponent has tons of names uh, on the Wednesday injury report and they, they work their way back in. And it's it's not as big of a a deal on game day as most of them end up playing, but each team's different. Each injury is different. It's definitely something that's going to, we're going to need to monitor as it gets closer to Sunday. Uh, without, without doubt. Um, let's, we got a couple stories up. Uh, I have a story up now on Von Bell uh, and not just him, Trey Hendrickson and Eli Apple all going back to new Orleans and, Jay, you had an interesting note that you tweeted out that you didn't tell me. I'm glad that I went and talked to him. You didn't. Oh. They, uh, <laughs> well, when you told me that was your plan, I knew yeah. that. So. Uh, but <laughs> what, what was it, what you, that he had, Von Bell actually said this to you a couple weeks ago? Yeah. So I was I was talking about Awuzie didn't want to talk going back to Dallas. Leo Collins eventually did, but it, it was iffy whether he was. So I just started talking to all the other guys and all the other guys in the locker room about what it means for a guy to go back and play their former team. And they've seen it before. They've done it before. And so I was asking Vaughn about it. And at the end of our conversation, I said, what about you? You've got, you've got your trip back to new Orleans coming up. He said, make sure you come talk to me that week. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe at that point he thought he was going to delve into more details. In your story, he said there were some things he couldn't get into, but he was very open. It's a, it's a, it's a great look at, at the mindset of, of guys and specifically Von Bell's situation going back there after essentially being told, uh, you're not good enough. We don't want you anymore. Yeah. And yeah, I, I was, he, Von was very, uh, honest and, and genuine about it. I mean, this stuff, it does mean something to guys, especially that come in mm-hmm. from situations where it was their first team, the team that drafted them, they yeah. gave everything to, and then that team says, no, nah, we don't think so. And, uh, that, as he said, you never forget that. And uh, the other guys had some different situations. Trey Hendrickson was very, hey, it's cool. It's cool. They told me what was going to go on. I'm fine <laughs> with it. It's worked itself out. And Eli Apple's situation as well, it's just it's a, it's a standard Eli Apple situation. It's just total chaos. There's Mardi Gras signs. The entire city hates him. Like, it's unbelievable. It's And uh, he, he did not want to die. He, again... We've been down this road before, right, with Eli Apple. He's now he's not taking the bait this year. He doesn't want to be getting into media beefs. I just at one he was just politely answering every question with oh just about the team and try to go get a win. And then uh, I, I just well, you, you, do you see? I mean, you see all the sign, the Mardi Gras stuff, and everything that they're saying. Just looked at me like this. I see it. 
<laughs> and so that's it. I see it, you know, and that's that was pretty much uh, what it was. So we'll we will see what that sounds and looks like on Sunday. I know I know what it'll sound like from the Saints fan side, uh, but I'm curious to hear if something happens positive for Eli Apple if he will continue to quietly go forward. Probably if- not. Yeah, if the Bengals win, the first thing I'm doing is going to Eli's Twitter and just refreshing nonstop because yes. I don't think he will stay quiet for long if if he goes back there and gets the win. Yes. Well, maybe he'll be tweeting from his locker with me standing right in front of him because <laughs> that's where I'll be. Uh, all right, um, Joe Burrow talking about play calling, asked about play calling, a good place for us to start as we dive back into the offensive conversation uh, because that's what we have to do this week because that's all anybody wants to talk about, understandably. So – Let's bring you Joe Burrow talking a little bit about the play calling situation. What are the differences between being a shotgun versus under center and having to turn your back, maybe play action wise and stuff? How is that different for you and maybe more challenging or not? Yeah, you just get a little less time to see the defense. Um, and then a lot of defenses play different coverages based on whether the quarterback is under center or in the gun based on tendencies. Uh, and so it's always, it's always different. Get different coverages, different footwork for me. Uh, yeah. What's the do you prefer? The, uh, I was gonna say, do you prefer the gun? Um, I don't think it really matters to me. I think play actions are really good from under center, and you can run the ball really well from under center. But uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what we do going forward. I think you know the gun run game is really good for us on Sunday, and you know we need, we need to build on that momentum. What's the key to making the under center play action passing game more consistent in a Bigger part of the offense. Well, the key is is running the ball better from under center. Uh, you know, if they're going to play soft zone like we did in the second half, we got to run the ball like we did. You know, we did it out of the gun, so we'll you know we'll see what we do going forward. But you know, that's the biggest part. You got to run the ball well to get that respect from the linebackers to, to suck up. Then you can hit that intermediate zone. Joe Zach's been getting a lot of play calling. You guys were two and three in the last game, not late third quarter, where you had first and one side of the five and, and didn't run it once. He's taking a lot of heat for that. Is there a balance between coach probably getting too much heat for that and, and player execution, and where do you kind of find that balance, and how much onus do you take on that as well? I mean, every play is designed to to work if we execute it the right way, right? Um, and so you can talk all you want about the play calling, but at the end of the day. Players have to go out and execute the play the way it's supposed to be executed, and if we do that, the play is going to work. Um, and so, it's always tough in those situations because if you go for it on fourth down and you get it, you look like the smartest dude in the world, and you don't get it, you know, you're going to take some heat. Those are the gambles that that we face every single week in this profession. Uh, didn't go our way this time. We've had several that have. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit DirecTV.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. So there's, you know, a little bit of Joe Burrow talking about a number of different things. Uh, but, you know, the he, he's obviously going to say that. I don't think that it's, it's very surprising. Um, but a big part of this, and to really look at some of the positive elements in it, I'm happy to go negative, Jay, as you know, but like I, I do think it's important to talk. We we've kind of glossed over the offensive line side of this um, on Tuesday, and I think it's an important one to get back into. They're settling down over the last three weeks. If we really start viewing the big picture of this offensive season, um, has gone so far under the radar for an important storyline that it's startling when you think about it. I mean, they have just quietly been pretty good. Uh, we haven't seen all the sacks and the pressure. The pressure rates have been down significantly. They've actually been one of the better pass-protecting offenses in football the last few weeks. And it does feel like they've found a rhythm and a stabilization that this team can build around going forward to make more of those plays work, of the execution work, and then you finally drop the run game success element in against Baltimore, and maybe you can start to build it back up. Yeah, I mean, there's a big but with that because it's they have they have not been doing their their standard drops like you're used to seeing. They are basically removing sacks as as a variable by just having Joe Burrow get rid of the ball so quickly. I mean, we saw all those screens last week, all those short passes um that they know. I mean, I I, I don't know if it's because they they don't have confidence in this offensive line to to hold up. Um it I mean, the numbers are the numbers. Yes, it, it's gotten so much better. And there's more to O-line play, obviously, than just pass pro. There's the run game where they did get that going, albeit against light boxes with the way Baltimore was playing them. But it, it's interesting that they, they know they're, it's so hard for them to put these drives together and and do it in 12, 13, 15 plays, whatever it is, that, that one sack can, can totally – derail a drive and and it has this year um i I went back and looked last year it was 38 percent of the time that burrow got sacked on first or second down the bengals got a first down they 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 recovered from it reset the chains and went on and and scored on a number of those uh this year burrow's been sacked 12 times on first or second down and they've only recovered to get a first down twice it's sixteen point six percent. That's just they're they're making things so much harder than the defense is already making it on them uh, when they're taking these sacks. So they've just basically, like I said, removed that variable and just having Joe get rid of the ball 
as soon as possible. And you get two, you get three, and then the next down is a, a little bit more manageable. And they're they're finding ways now that they've got the run game going to to put together these longer drives and finish them off. Yeah, and you know it's because that they need to be methodical at this point. Like right now, it's not exciting uh, no. to watch as Bengals fans can attest. But it's sort of the way that they need to be right now. Average time to throw for Joe Burrow on first and second down. Let's take thirds when he's trying to create out of it, which is standard for him. First and second down, average time to throw against Baltimore, 2.12 seconds. <laughs> like, I mean, he, it takes that long to get your hands on the laces, right? I mean, <laughs> it's unbelievable. And, you know, per game, and that was that was clearly the lowest. Um, but, you know, it's gotten lower with almost each week, you know, 2.5 in week one, 2.42, 2.47, 2.38, 2.12. So it was even more. But Balt- that, that was evidenced the way Baltimore was playing them. I mean, Baltimore is just like instant drop back, instant deep shell. So, and Burrow was living in the gun. They weren't under center hardly at all. And so it was gun, catch, check, or gun, catch, handoff and get positive yards. And and early on, they didn't get positive yards on those early downs running it. And so they ended up behind the chains a lot, and that's how four drives end up tanking. That's what kills you. That's what kills you is when you, you can't find the success. But if, if they find, they can build on the success of those shotgun runs that we detailed to you on Tuesday – um, that they that they got going in Baltimore and tried to get that that part of the game going a little bit and can stay in the shotgun where you can do quick check and be efficient if you run it or throw it, you can get better success on first down, second down, but specifically first down, which has been a abject disaster for this team. And that is where you end up with so many drives that never get off the ground. They are dead last in offensive DVOA on first down this year. They are dead last in success percentage. They are dead last in yards per play on first down. It starts immediately and then it tanks. Like you said, Jay, whether it be negative plays with sacks, whether it be zero runs, whether it be negative runs, all that type of stuff, it seems like we now know after the first down a lot of times whether they're going to have a successful drive or, or series. And so, so much of that, which I think is why the excitement over the line protecting okay and the the running game starting to show up. I mean, I don't know how many times we had to tell you that running game is what was killing everything. But, I mean, that success arriving um, is a is the hope, right? If they, that can continue, and you hear Burrow talking about it, keep those gun runs going, if you build on that momentum, you really feel like you – can find something and um, you know, maybe, maybe they do, maybe they do. Yeah. And it's, it, it's not just defensive offense. Um, they, those checkdowns, they haven't so much yet, but they can turn into explosives. You look at what Jamar Chase can do with the ball in his hands. And, and I think that's a lot of it where, yes, you're getting rid of the ball early so that you, you take out the the element of a sack, but when you do that, so much of the defense is still backing up. And if Jamar can make that first guy miss and then everybody else is going the wrong direction, 
I, I think they're they're counting on some of those to to break. And we saw it. The Tyler Boyd play. He makes one guy miss and he goes fifty six yards for a touchdown against the Jets. And we saw Samaje and Joe Mixon break some tackles and turn some really short checkdowns into nine, 10, 11 yard gains against the Ravens. It's, it, it's not just preventing sacks. I, I think they've got enough guys on this offense that, that can, can turn a short pass into an explosive play with, with a broken tackle. And it just, it hasn't, we haven't seen it. I mean, you think about the Baltimore game last year when they, they hit Jamar underneath and he took the long one against Marlon Humphrey. That's what they're looking for more of those. And once you start doing that, then yes, then, the, the run game is going to force the defense to check up a little bit or come up to the line a little more. You you hit some of those short passes that end up going longer. There's there's those are the things they need to do to, to get the defense out of these two high shells. It's not a big part of it is trying to avoid the sacks, but there's there's more to it than that. Yeah, if you, I mean, if you can just be killing them with that, um, they they're forced to react. And you know, and, and Burrow has talked about, look, you know, you you get these teams um, that are aware of that, and and you can pull them out. And a lot of times, that's by being ahead, you know. Yeah. And they they get more risky, they get more aggressive, and now they're forced to blitz a little bit, leave man behind, play man, and then we know how comfortable they are with that and taking their shots and, and trying to make it happen. So um, all that to watch, continue to watch first downs. This will be a better run defense than the Ravens were uh, the saints uh, on Sunday. Although one interesting nugget about the saints defense, they are dead last in pressure percentage. So um, not exactly a pass rushing behemoth back there this year. Could be a nice day for the Bengals offensive line to continue to play well, give a little bit more time. You know, if you were looking for a week, maybe to open up the aggression a little bit and not be mm-hmm. instant check down and maybe start doing something, and this is crazy thought, using the intermediate part of the field and trying to complete <laughs> passes in there. I know, I know, I know. You don't you don't want to go getting crazy now and like actually, you know, try to do that. But this could be the time where maybe you hold the ball an extra tick uh, because the Saints pressure percentage has been a very low number. They have struggled with that. And maybe you, in your confidence is maybe starting to grow in your offensive line and burrow. And maybe you start to see it get a little bit more aggressive and open up, particularly in that intermediate range that people are sort of hammering right now. And a lot was made. We've seen this, these, the Jamar Chase um, – Route Tree versus Justin Jefferson has been kind of been circulating the internet as everyone tries to take craps on the Bengals offensive staff. I mean, that's what we just discussed, the 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 method of quick check, be efficient, don't take sacks, don't be negative, move the ball is a big reason why the route tree looks so different because the routes end after 2.12 seconds. Okay. And so, yeah, they don't go out. They don't have time to develop. You don't have time to, to get him out there. I think that comes. I think that will come. But for now, um, you know, it's important to point out that the, the offensive line does appear to be doing a little bit better. And maybe this will be a week where the routes are a little bit more longer developing. And another reason to keep an eye on Jonah Williams, because that could, that could affect that plan as well. Great. His point. Great. I want to give a, Shout out. Well, not a shout out. I just want to point this out. I was going to do this in Arby's, but I've got a couple Arby's, so I'm going to sneak this in now. I, I tweeted about this. 
You guys are great. So many listeners and readers sent me so many questions for my mailbag call, and we're going to get to a few of them here on the podcast. I'm going to have a mailbag up tomorrow. I had over 100 questions sent. I had one, one defensive question. <laughs> one. And I stay strong, my brother. Stay strong. <laughs> you know, I love it. Somebody's got to talk about the defense every once in a while. I was, uh, I did, uh, I, Jeremy Rao and Joe Daneman are in New Orleans. Games on Fox this weekend, and uh, they're doing a pre- their pregame show together. And they we recorded a hit that's going to air on Sunday. And um, they they had me come in there, and uh, and he pointed out you have been carrying the torch for this defense for a long time. I said I'm not just car- I have been a two fisted. I've been double fisting torches <laughs> for this defense for a long time for more people to be talking about them and, and and how they are playing. You know, the concept brought up with Luana Rumo this week is, and really the entire defense is is about finishing. And and we talked about it. You know, you got you've got this the one you can say a lot of things about this defense and almost all of them are good right now. However, the inability to get the big stop at the end of these games um, has been a defining trait, and it seems to be one that um, is starting to frustrate Lou Anarumo a little bit. And and you know, it's it's not always about yards. It's all, not always about points, and and not worried as much about yards because they're 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 giving up these drives at the end of games. And it's it's clearly been a point of emphasis this week in that room. Yeah, and it, I mean it's such a flip from what you saw in the postseason last year, where that's that's what defined those games was the defense finding ways to finish and and get turnovers at the end, and it's it's really kind of come full circle because you remember back that first year, and even in Joe Burrow's rookie year, 2019-2020, they were so bad at the end of halves and at the end of games, and then they they got it turned around last year and and really played well, and um, yes. They still have not allowed a second half touchdown this year, but the that that is that they've all three of their losses they've overcome double digit leads or deficits uh, twice to tie it in Baltimore they actually took the lead and just need that one stop at the end and haven't been able to get it and um, you know Sam Hubbard talked about how difficult that was to try to do Sunday night in Baltimore because. In that situation, not much time on the clock. You're you're thinking pass, and that's just not the way the, the Ravens attacked him. And, and Lou even said that they told the guys, "Look, they've got this great kicker. They need 35 yards. The clock is not an element here, um, but it's still the the way they ran the ball. Um, just the Lamar holding on to it to the last second and then pulling it back and running for 19. It's just." That if there is one knock on this defense, it has been the inability to come up with the big stop at the end. But I mean, they're coming up with so many other stops; it's 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 hard to hammer them for that. But it is it has been a difference. They're getting turnovers. You know, they've yes. been on the, there's, they continue to be on this turnover run, and now they face the Saints, dead last in the NFL in turnover margin. So if we're looking, what's more likely, Jay? Uh, we could we could run past or boot this. Okay. Uh, who will force – who's most likely to force a turnover on Sunday? Von Bell, Trey Hendrickson, or Eli Apple? Von Bell has three picks in the last two weeks. 
Trey Hendrickson, strip sack around the corner. Lord knows we've seen enough of those uh, potential there. Um, Eli Apple, maybe, maybe he's probably the, the obvious boot here, but uh, you never know. He'd be looking for one. Hmm. That's a, it's a, I mean, I think you have to go with Hendrickson just because he's he's going to be closer to the ball on most plays um, the, coming around the edge anytime he gets a pressure. I mean, what if he forces a throw that somebody else picks? Do do you, does he get credit? Who then? picks and, it? And, it depends on who well, picks it. Yeah. Well, what I mean, <laughs> if it's not Bell or Apple, does does Trey get the credit for that? I would give um, him credit if he hits if it's a hit while he if, throws that, or even and, a pressure, uh, and it ends up being a yeah being a pick. I would give that credit. I mean, I'm you know I'm just kind of more just pushing the conversation forward than trying to actually figure it out because yeah I just you know I I, I d- depends on who's quarterback right I mean if exactly Flamus shows up right and it's uh let's see what happens and he hasn't played in a few weeks he's I mean he's thrown a bunch of picks the one thing Andy Dalton has come in and done is kind of not been very mistake prone we we Bengals fans are familiar uh with what that looks like so I I will be curious to see what happens you know the Saints have had a couple of big weeks offensively but mostly they haven't been great you know it's not I don't think a coincidence that their two big weeks offensively have come against the Falcons and then last week against the Seahawks ranked 32nd and 30th in the league in points per drive this season bad defenses they faced the Bucks the best defense they played which is has similar rankings as the Bengals do couldn't get hardly anything going end up with 10 points so um I, I and then with all these receivers and Alvin Kamara has been injured uh but he did come back last week so it, how many of those guys are able to go for them will be a big deal offensively. But that said, this should be a week where the Bengals defense can maybe get some turnovers and be the ones to try to help make this game look like the Jets game and the Dolphins game and less like the other three. Yeah, and if if you get that turnover near midfield, maybe that's the ch- the chance they take to take a deep shot, uh, that, that quick quick change and, and be aggressive. Um, as you said that, I just looked it up because obviously the, the Bengals are tied for ninth in the league, a turnover differential right now at plus one. They started with that horrendous minus five against the Steelers. So if you take week one out and you just say week two to week to, to where we are now, they're second in the league at plus six. And the only team that's better is the Eagles at plus eight, the only undefeated team in the league. So they are on a bender here as, as far as getting turnovers. Didn't we have a run passer boot about when they would get into the positive uh, in turnover differential Ooh. or or winning percentage or whatever? There was there was you got to go was, check the records. Open the spreadsheet. Open the yeah, spreadsheet. I've got to find that because it was it was it was a run passer boot of would, would they get into would they have a winning record first? Would they have a positive turnover differential? And I can't remember what the other one was, but I'll have to go back and look that one up. I think something may have hit, so we'll keep we'll have to keep an eye on that. All right, let's just take a quick break. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's spin this thing forward to the big trip to New Orleans here. And we're doing that. Uh, we want to bring in our good friend who covers LSU, and he's been on the show many times. Uh, for those of you that maybe have not heard him before, uh, Brody does an incredible job uh, covering LSU for us and was around for the Burrow Chase years. He's been covering him for a long time. Uh, and nobody's done a better job of of documenting their rise uh, from there all the way on through. And so going back, Burrow and Chase returning, uh, a great chance to bring Brody back and talk a little bit about uh, Burrow, Chase, how New Orleans is viewing their return, and so much more. So here's my conversation with Brody Miller. Very excited to start this conversation. We are talking about, okay, Burrow and Chase are going back to Louisiana. Who should we have on this week? And I thought, you know what? Brody owes me. Okay? It was Super Bowl week. It was Super Bowl week. I was very busy. And I was <sighs> yeah. and I was very, very happy to come on your podcast. Which what's the name of your podcast? That is actually a now defunct podcast. Oh no, uh, a defunct was, podcast. I'm that sorry. was Hold That Podcast, our LSU show. And yeah, you wasted your, your valuable Super Bowl time For a now on a show. defunct podcast? Yeah, that's a tough L. But hey, listen to Football and Grits, our SEC wide <laughs> oh, show. But God, yes. Uh so that was very kind of you, and you're a team player, and I do owe you. You know what? How how nice of a guy am I? I show up, I I try to give you a hard time for having me on in January, and then not realize that your podcast that doesn't even exist anymore. I'm I mean, a real good dude. I'm a real good dude, bro. You really check up on me a lot. Yeah, you I know? do. <laughs> Just a real, I come on your show like biannually, and you it's and true. you come on one time, and you make a fit. I, I, <laughs> I'm kidding. This is my favorite show. Yeah. No, friend of the program, without question here. Uh, (laughs) Great to have you back. It is. Now, I I mean, the Bengals didn't go adding any LSU players this this last draft, which was very surprising and concerning, uh, which only says that the program has been down. Uh, otherwise, there would kind be of, plenty. Of kind of accurate, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but maybe that's why the Bengals are two and three. You need you need one new LSU player every year. Yeah. I think that's it. I think they do yeah. need they need something. Uh, I want to, but I wanted to have you on though because I, I want to broach the concept of what Burrow and Chase playing for the Bengals still mean back in Baton Rouge and in New Orleans as a whole. You have such a pulse for that. What what do they? 
you know, as what they meant to the program and even now moved on still mean back there. Yeah, it's like I feel like every time I'm on your show, I I, I regret it because I just always say, guys, I'm sorry. I know this is corny and I reject corniness <laughs> like as a default. I hate it. But it's it's real that. The way Burrow, just to start with him, the way he operates now in that culture is it's not the way you talk of a really great player. You know, it's not just like, man, that guy was really good. Like, I don't know the way we talk about, I don't know, Willie Anderson or so, you know, just like Anthony Munoz. It's, it's like, it's more like there is a reverence. There is a, a cultural, like, mythological nature to the way he's discussed that <laughs> makes it, and it's not inaccurate that it's just like, it's like, oh yeah, and then there's it's not like you're you're analyzing all your quarterbacks and then there's Joe and it's just it's a different thing and he is there's this savior element that so much of it was the context, right? It was the school that couldn't develop an offense, the school that was stuck in mediocrity and this guy comes in from it's just like the narrative writes itself. The guy comes in from Ohio and just changes everything and lifts an entire program, which you were seeing in Cincinnati, the way he has the ability to just elevate people around him, which that part's corny or not, just a real thing. And a lot of great players have that. And he, so the, the place he has here is, and I, and I think it adds to his myth, mythological nature here that he's chill and he's not out there like milking it and shoot, he doesn't milk anything. Like it's just like, he doesn't really tap into all this PR stuff or like catching in on it. It's just like, he's just cool. And this is what he was supposed to do. So there's a little extra cool aura about it because it's like, you don't see him that often and all that. Like for reference, the Bengals are on in Baton Rouge every week. Like, yeah, like that is a built in thing that like the local the local game in Baton Rouge is now basically Bengals because that's such a built in thing that that they want to see Joe Burrow and, Jam- and Jamar Chase play. My, my one of my favorite things to look at was always the, the TV map. Yep. And it would show like the whole con- whole bottom portion of the country in like blue. And then there'd be just like a little green yeah. dot. On Baton Rouge for like the Bengals game, you know, it's just it's gonna be a real thing this week. I mean, I know we're gonna get to it in a second, but like, there's like a whole like little culture clash of like people being like, I think we can, I guess we can get to it if you want to. Yeah, go go ahead. I I was that was my next question. Was yeah, what, what are the expectations for what Sunday will sound and feel like? It's like I don't want to predict what I know it's gonna be like, but there's a real thing going on. Of my reaction was like, what are like Saints were. As you know, Saints were kind of hoping to get this game in London. They didn't really like they wanted to avoid this because they didn't want this to become like a semi Bengalsy home game. And my initial reaction was like, that's nonsense. Like anyone who's a Borough fan is a Saints fan. And yeah, sure, they'll be like, yay, but like they're not going to be like rooting for the Bengals. And then I got a lot of pushback from people in Louisiana to be like, you would be surprised how many people, maybe more a little Baton Rouge area, who are Saints fans, but it's not like they're everything or, you know, that they will be there in a Bengals jersey, that Joe Burrow means far more to them than the Saints. And I was surprised by that. And I fought it for a while, but I think it's true. And like, do I expect it to be like 40% Bengals? Of course not. But I don't think it's going to be nothing. I think there's gonna The question I have is, are they actually going to be like literally loudly rooting against the Saints? I don't, 
I just personally don't think that's like how it goes. But yeah, I think it's going to be a real thing. There's a real like, there's a lot of Saints fans who are livid about it. Like anyone who ever goes there to root for the Bengals, like you are not a Saints fan and like you don't get it. And like, yeah, man, I'm rooting for Joe Burrow any other week, but like, come on, like you're a terrible fan. It's exhausting, quite frankly, but it's kind (laughs) of a real thing going on these last few weeks. Yeah. Um, What has it been like for you to watch Jamar Chase? turn into uh this thing i mean you knew i mean you knew you yeah. thought you knew um but to, to from from the perspective of watching him develop from the guy he was when you were covering him every day at lsu with burrow to transitioning now to this in the nfl has has anything surprised you about how his game has elevated or been yeah. proven so instantly productive yeah i think Almost the the complete nature of his game, I think, is what comes out. It's just like he was always this incredible player, and there always was this element of when he was in a one-on-one, he was going to win it. But to see him now become a guy that entire defensive game plans are about, and to see him be the guy that, like, I think what blows me away is even watching Thursday, right? Or Monday, sorry. Wait, Sunday night. Sunday night, yeah. Yeah, I don't know days. Uh, it used is, to be real easy to say, yeah, watching yeah, right? him Sunday at 1. It used yeah. to be really easy. Now it's yeah, much true. harder. But, like, even watching, like, the way that if there was even one second of man coverage, which is like, you just hit it. Like, you have, you have man coverage, Jamar Chase is going to win it, and he did for the most part. I think that's what jumps out because one of the cool things about covering college football, as you know, is, like, the way you get to see somebody progress. And you watch him. Freshman year, it was like, man, this guy's going to play. He's better than people realize. But it was still just spurts. It would be like he was the guy Burrow would hit on that deep you know, deep ball down the sideline. That was great. But he, it, the whole picture wasn't there. You couldn't trust him on a short route or like those little things where you have to read the defense. It was just basically that was his guy on on deep balls. And it was great. But he didn't, And then to see year two, you know, just him become the guy who – any one-on-one you hit or the guy who defense has to adjust. And what's really fun to follow now covering both sides, following both sides of it is I remember like around mid season when he teams first learned like, Oh, he's even better than Jefferson. Like at that time. And just to see like teams started doubling him and just watching him. He was not a powder by any means, but like talking to him in an interview about it, just like the frustration he had, like in just in a playful way, but just like, man they're freaking doubling me like this is bs and like (laughs) it just like bugged him so much because he just wanted to go off and now see it elevate to this point where that is the game plan is to stop him and watching him i wouldn't i'm not even like mature i might you you would be the better person to ask that but watching him maneuver that and like i don't know it's just been a really interesting thing to watch but no i did not expect i thought he'd be a great receiver did i think he'd be a top like four receiver in the nfl rookie year god no yeah, and and you know it's funny is you talk about him saying that in questions about being doubled just last week. That was of literally course. the reaction he was giving. Like, man, this sucks. I, I right? they double me all the time. Like that's all they do is double me now. And you know, and T Higgins is the beneficiary of what yep. you know Justin Jefferson was. Uh, you know, at LSU, and then you know, hey, if anybody asks, have you ever covered the greatest team of all time? You always can say certainly the greatest <laughs> offense of all time, right? If, if not the best team, it's just it's amazing when you look around the league and people are having debates like who's the best receiver in the league? Could it be Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase? Right? Like, and they were on the same team with you know one of the greatest quarterbacks in college football but, history. And to your thing about Jamar, like that's kind of what makes, and I'm curious your experience as well, that's like who Jamar is in a way that kind of makes him enjoyable is that he's not, not he's not like Joe at all, but like 
kind of like, you know, Justin Jefferson would be playing to the media in that moment. Like, man, they're doubling me. Like, what? And he would make it a thing. Jamar, there's no, like, he's playing, like, an angle or he's, like, it's just literally, like, he's a football guy who's just, like, pretty annoyed he's not getting more chances to get the play. It's not like, man, I want the ball. It's just, like, this sucks. (laughs) Yeah. And so real, I guess. I don't know. One thing I've enjoyed with Jamar, and I think this is an interesting conversation for the two of us to have, is is his personality evolution that has occurred i mean now he's he's on jake gq and he's got he's got his own chips now and he's like (laughs) and he's like you know he's got all this branding stuff and you know he's got the bows whatever it is that he's he's doing all his sponsorship stuff and he's really kind of embraced the spotlight and i don't i'm curious if, if you saw that coming from him as a guy in college or has he something he ever talked about wanting or caring about or like you ever saw that side of him becoming a thing because it's his personality really is starting i think to blossom here now definitely no it's a great question because the answer is no i mean he was he was never in the like I don't want to talk. No, God, no. He was very nice and all that. But just that thing of like reluctance, like he didn't love that. It, and, and it's key to make that separation because we've all covered players who are like, I don't like the media or like, no, there's no grumpiness or any like no. thing like that. It was just like, yeah, I don't really need that. You know, that's just, it, which is why there's like the weird him and Joe, I think, kind of connect in that way where it is interesting because he he became such a superstar that sophomore year that like it frustrated him and his father and like they would like go to restaurants and just be like man we can't just like enjoy a meal or i remember the mardi gras in 2020 the last one before the world shut down like he kind of didn't go out his dad said like he didn't go out during mardi gras because it was becoming such a hassle like he couldn't just enjoy like mardi gras because everyone's just like i want an autograph and like everybody's like where's your son i want to go talk to him and just he had to hide (laughs) so it's not again like it's just not what he seeks out is the best way to put it so it has been interesting and i guess i'll just like ask you back like is he what's he showing you in a, like a human level of like playing into that? Because I know his character's coming out, but I can't tell. Is it like is he becoming like an extravagant personality or what? I mean, did you see the GQ photo? Shoot? I did, <laughs> but, but that can be misleading, you know. Like someone, no, I you're right. Know. But I mean, he's willing to do that stuff, and mm-hmm. I would say, you know, I do think like he's very. I mean, he'll talk to anybody. It's been interesting because we we have the open locker room factor, which is not as much with with you guys. Yeah. And he's so accessible. He's always willing to talk to anybody. And when he does, he's very fun with it. Like he's he's a, he's a joker. I always I've been talking about how I I really enjoy his laugh. He has this this very like <laughs> high pitched kind of laugh that. And Jay and I played a clip last week where it was like, "What is Jamar even trying? What is he laughing about with this question?" But it was just a funny laugh, and the whole interaction was great. It's like a weird because, slyness. Yeah, yeah, and it's just very like it, you can see his comfort in his own skin, okay. and I think he's really embraced that. Um, and obviously has lots of offers coming his way because of what yes. he's done. But like, I, I, I think it's been fun to watch him kind of really, you never know when the locker room opens for guys that have never had one before, how they'll react to it. If they'll be the types that just do, you know, I talk at Wednesday at 1130 or, or, you know, don't really, not really open to being approached. Jamar has been the opposite and he seems mm-hmm. Very open with us, very open with his personality. He's very, you know, he's out there. Um, so I think it's it's that been real, a really interesting yeah. evolution to witness. I have a more important question for you than any of this, though, Brody. There are a lot of Bengals fans filling planes 
this weekend coming to Ooh. New Orleans. Yeah. It is a good weekend. We're we're out of we're, we're basically out of. I'm gonna knock on some wood here. Hurricane yeah, please. season. How dare you? Yeah, sorry. That was yes. No, so you're necessary. I actually made a comment this morning, and my girlfriend just stared at me like you piece of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> well, when the when the schedule first came out, my only thought was let's get it at get to like yeah, around Halloween. Get get us out of, but not too late. It just feels like it could. There's a possibility for a really nice New Orleans fall weekend in yeah. front of a lot of Bengals fans. So my question to you is, where do these people need to go to get the true quality locals experience? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, first off, weather's like perfect here, which is very rare here. Like it's yeah. fall has finally arrived here to an extent. Uh, yeah, it's tricky because I think a lot of Okay, people either want to go to Bourbon. If you want to do that, enjoy it, man. Like that's that's what you're looking for. But it's there. But then and then we've <laughs> and then like the locals have like explained like, hey, we hate Bourbon. But then so then people who know that then think like the quarter is where you want to avoid, and that's not true. The quarter is God's gift. The French Quarter for those like is God's <laughs> gift to this earth. Like it yes. is incredible. I spend a lot of time in the quarter. Like go to Royal Street. Royal Street's where you want it. Like go to Decatur. Like there's some just incredible bars. Um Canaan Tables a really great cocktail bar that I like a lot. Uh for you, Molly's is a great like divey uh kind of newspaper bar. That's like where we used to have all the newspaper parties and stuff. Right. But like the quarter is amazing and you want to hang out there. It's right along the river. All that. Take that in. Now to get like really more locally uh front not that locally, but Frenchman Street. That's where yeah. like that's kind of what they used to call the locals bourbon where there's just live music playing at like every few bars and it's just like you're just in and out of stuff and it's just a really cool environment to go get some live music but it's not like a rager and I think that's a really good balance. But then yeah man like I think people also need to go see Uptown like because I think there's like New Orleans is a dirty city right like it kind of is but Uptown New Orleans is like the most beautiful houses you've ever seen in your like drive St. Charles and uh, Street Avenue and you're just like holy crap like go see that stuff and that's where like so much the, the fine dining is and things like that uh, restaurants it's almost impossible to do this because it's like where in the world do I even begin and then like <laughs> it's this exhausting not exhausting but like this tough game of like I want to give you my favorite spot but like I also need to give you something that's kind of like New Orleans-y yeah. so yeah man it's like you know the, any of the Brennan spots like it, you're checking a touristy box and it's a genuinely great restaurant uh, but then there's like Koshan's a really great spot in this uh, downtown area that's very kind of Louisiana foodie but like still just like a little less known um, Pesh is a great seafood spot I'd recommend um, there's so many things like that but man I could give you like when you're in town I will be giving you a whole list of, I'm expecting a list yes uh, it's just I mean I, I'm glad I that hope you that was were, a good I'm glad that you were going to give me one because that was what I was going to say to you when we wrap this was that please send me the list yes uh, I'll, I'll need a deep one now my my wife is actually coming on this trip with me and she loves the, awesome. with the she, she, it's, New Orleans is one of her favorite American cities it's but it's partially because of something you mentioned she loved the darker and dingier and yep. older the bar the more happy she is and nobody does dark dingy and old like new orleans louisiana Ooh, chart room okay chart yeah. room's an incredible quarter bar that she would love then where it's just like this perfect bar on the corner doors are usually kind of open and it's just like a dive bar man it's yeah. kind of small oh, yes that There's is a the best the best thing, yeah. We've probably been to most of them. Is is uh, is, is we will happily go back in on it. But it's everybody's very excited, I know, to get back. And I, I'm going to see you on at the yeah. game on Sunday, bright eyed and bushy tailed. <laughs> I will be there, indeed. I will be. Yes, I will be covering the LSU Florida game, as you know, Saturday night in Gainesville. Drive. 
in Gainesville, so I have to drive back to my hotel in Jacksonville after a game. So I'll get to my hotel at like no one cares, but I'm just telling you anyway. So I'm back to the hotel at like 2 a.m. <laughs> and then I have a 5:30 a.m. flight to get back here for the game uh, to see to cover Saints Bengals with you. So yeah, man. Oh man. It's yeah. just Hopefully the, the efforts that you go me. to, man. I mean, I hope I hope the higher ups are listening to this conversation right now. The grind <laughs> that you are on right now to do this right. Uh, by the way, I, I have one more thing I should I meant to ask you earlier that yeah. I crossed over. Um, I saw there was like a Burrow viral moment at the LSU game a couple weeks ago. Maybe it was like Ooh. the stadium went dark and all of a sudden Burrow's picture came uh, up on the yes. video board. <laughs> What what happened with that? And uh, do you know the background on any of that? Or? I don't actually know exactly. Like, no, it's a good question. I don't know exactly. I think it was just they were running through the NFL players and then LSU. It's got this little thing they do. Yeah. And it was just like a cool timing moment, I think, to some extent. The stadium was kind of like already hyped about things. And just when Burrow – and this happens every week, though. When Burrow goes up, it's just like you know how it is. Like, there's the different levels. Burrow is yeah. just like – bow down like it's just it's it's reverence man it's a weird thing and i really do believe like the the way he plays it cool adds to it because he's just like it's like he's this distant figure who they all he's the god yeah he's gonna have a statue sooner than later man yeah yeah is there statues in the works i think it's like they usually wait a while but like there's not even like it was understood the second he won the heisman it was just understood like he is getting a statue usually it's like after NFL retirement, maybe, but yeah, it's getting, like his high school stadium has already been named after him for a long time now. That's wild. I know. Yeah, <laughs> incredible. Oh, by the way, yeah. Brody and I are in a book, the Joe Burrow book. You got it. You got your copy back there. Wow, what a quick turnaround. That's right. Man. Yeah, and go buy our have, book if, if you haven't read Brody's work on Joe, which is incredible from the LSU days. You should have already done that. But if not, you can catch me, Brody, Jay. Uh, I think Greenberg's got a piece Greenberg's in here. In there, yeah. we're, we're all up in it. There's a lot of great stuff. Joe Burrow, The Rise of Joey Franchise. You can find it. Uh, Triumph Books slash Joe Burrow or at a number of local spots. You, you and I, if you would have been there, you and I could have done a signing at one of these favorite dark, dingy bars or something like that. Oh, that would have been missed a good planning move. Yeah, we could have been stars. By us. Just mean no one came and it's just me and you drinking in a bar. Yeah. Which is what well that's what we it would have been. Like it it's just us going to have a drink, but we claim but we it could was expense a book it, signing maybe. and we could expense yeah. it. Yes. Wow. Should have Chestnut checkers, man. Yeah. <laughs> Brody, thank you. I look forward to seeing yeah. half of your eyes uh on Sunday. Take care, buddy. Great to talk to Brody Jay. Uh really enjoyed it. Um he has food wrecks. Drink wrecks <laughs> for everybody that needs to know where to go. The thing that he pointed out, and I, I mentioned it in, in there in, in our conversation, was about how people. I don't know if people. He said I don't know if people realize this, but every week the Bengals are a are a TV game in in Baton Rouge, New Orleans. Like every week they are, if they're possible to be on TV, they are the choice to be on TV. Like we've seen those the maps with with the one little dot in New Orleans on there at the bottom. You know, it's it's a big deal. I love that there's a controversy over how people should act when they get there. And apparently there's this faction that is going to be cheering for Joe Burrow um, instead of the Saints. And I guess that's causing a little bit of dissension down there. But everybody everybody can agree on that they will be booing Eli Apple. But some will be cheering Joe yes. Burrow and Jamar <laughs> Chase. <laughs> yeah, I talked to Jamar's dad, and he said that they've got about 50 people in their group going to the game. And uh, Jamar's mom is is asking, who who are you for? 
Because even Jamar's parents are huge Saints fans, but they're asking, who are you for in this game? And his dad said, we're keeping receipts. So <laughs> if, you're, if you're going to the game with them, yeah, you better be, you better be rooting for Jamar and the Bengals. Okay, so he he needs Bengals rooters. You're not going to have. So will there at least be a few sections without question that will be? Yeah. Uh, oh, and I'm sure I look for that. That story is uh, not up yet. So I look I look forward to seeing that though. Anytime Jimmy Chase is uh, speaking, I always look forward to reading about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> and Jamar spoke about it yesterday uh, as well. Um, it, and it you know maybe an overlooked homecoming uh because everybody wants to talk about burrow going back but for jamar this is a true homecoming i mean from there grew up there went to high school there blew up in college there um came to cincinnati and just and discovered it's an actual city that has things like buildings (laughs) trees and trees and (laughs) hills and bridges (laughs) and so uh so a very it'll be a fun weekend. Going to be a fun weekend, a lot of fun storylines. Let's jump in to a few of your questions before we get into the game predictions and all that stuff. Um, I have a bunch. I'm just going to just knock out a couple. Um, and again, if anybody is over here in the YouTube chat and you have a question that you would like to have us broach here real quick, you can drop it in and we'll see if we can get to maybe one or two of those as well, I want to thank all of you for coming on and, and watching on the stream and rate, subscribe, all those things that you do. Uh, we appreciate that. Uh, first question uh, I have here is one that we already talked about, so I'm probably going to skip it. It's an offensive line question. Um, from Blue42SM, with five games under their belts now, what is your assessment of the rebuild offensive line in rushing pass pro physicality? Is it as expecting getting better? Do you see the potential or do you see a ceiling? Let's just let's let's top off the offensive line conversation with that last question. Do you see potential or do you see a ceiling hitting right now? No, I don't see a ceiling hitting right now. These I mean, these guys that they brought in in free agency have a, a have good track records. I think the interior of the line has been pretty solid. Um, you you expect? I mean, it's it's strange to say at this point. You kind of think Jonah is what he is, but I think there's still room for improvement there. And uh, I think LC getting used to whatever this schedule is with the Wednesdays off and. They're not listing the back as an issue, but there's, I guess, always that chance that it flares up. I, I think they can find ways. I don't, I don't think this is going to be an elite offensive line at the end of the year by any means. But we're seeing them kind of work through ways to to work around their deficiencies, and and I, I don't think that they've hit the ceiling. I think, I mean, it's still week five, going into yeah. week six. There, there's there's room for improvement there. The, the key is to keep them healthy, keep them working together. I know the the chemistry aspect's been overwrought, but it, it's real. I mean, it's a reason it's talked about, and and everyone everywhere will tell you how important chemistry is on that offensive line, and it, it's still being built. Um, again, I don't think they're going to be great, but I, I don't think they're at their cap right now. Mark me down uh, with, you know, and we always do this, obviously, but I, I want to have the real – assessments at the buy you know like I, I think I think at that point you are you're starting to become who you are right now but there's still time to learn there's still development that's happening especially with all new guys up there up front yeah. I I, I want to do the true okay ceiling floor where are they um, at that point after a few weeks with some winnable games in front of them 
Speaking of that, run passer boot, record at the bye. Five and four, four and five, other. Hmm. I'm running with five and four. I think they're going to end up the same record at the bye as they were last year. You go three and one over the next four. And uh, it'll, and we'll talk about, you know, you came all this way and here you are right back where you were at the same point last year um, with a bunch of tough, tougher games on your slate uh, in front of you and, and everybody talking about that. They're going to talk about Kansas City and Buffalo the same way last year. They talked about Kansas City and San Francisco and everybody that was on the schedule last year. And I'm not saying it's going to be a replication of last year, but I look, these are winnable games. Can we just be honest here? I mean, and if you're not, I would say if you're not five and four at the bye, I think you you're I don't have my flags. My kids keep taking my flags. <laughs> I've got I got the Canada flag, I got the China flag for levels of red flag. And they keep taking them and putting them in their forts. <laughs> Canadian forts. I mean, I need this. It's daddy's office. So I don't have my 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 flag. I I would be I would be moving over probably. I'd be I'm not sure how I'd feel. It depends on how it would look. The road. There's a pretty good chance I'd have the communist China flag out uh, if they were four and five or lower. I think this is a three and one run is in front of you here when you talk about New Orleans, Atlanta, Cleveland, Carolina. Like you got to go beat. Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton, Marcus Mariota, Jacoby Brissett, and whatever the hell's happening in Carolina. Like, you got to. If you're a real team, this is a defining stretch for you. And we say that a lot. But if you're going to be a real team because of the position you've put yourself in, you've got to. This has got to be your run. This is your run. This is your, this is your, and then you, you can even pull that over to at Pittsburgh after that, facing Kenny Pickett. Right, I mean, this is your run to get back into the mix, to put things together. You've had five weeks to figure out what teams are trying to do to you and figure out your solutions, and you've gone through your full preseason, and you lost a tilt you wish you didn't in Baltimore. This is your run. I think they'll be five and four. What? So what were the options again? Five and four, five and four, other. four and five, five other. And four, four and five. So you could go high or low. I mean, you could say they're yeah. going to go four and zero oh or zero oh and four or one and three. I mean, I so I went on record back before they went to New York that I, I said they were going to lose one of these three games: Jets, Panthers, Falcons. Um, I I don't know that I believe that now because they they got the Jets out of the way. I just can't see them losing to the Falcons or the Panthers. Being in the Falcons situation, are gritty. Falcons are, are gritty now. There's they're they're a plucky bunch. But I expected the the Bengals to be in a better situation and maybe have one of those sleeper letdown games, and I don't think that's going to happen now when when they play those two teams. I'm I'm tempted to run with other. I, I I could see them running the table, or I could see them losing this week, and somehow it spirals into that would be a spiral, something bad. Well, I mean, th- three and six, we had that would be pretty bad. So that would be what one and three over the next four. Um. But I'll do. I'll run with other. I'll wow. pass on five and four, and I'll, I'll boot four and five. Wow, you're saying it's it's either it's it's, it's all flames, or nothing. It's flames in one way or the other. It's either yeah. dumpster fire or on fire. So yep. I like it. Jay, it's how you've lived your life, Jay. You know, 
<laughs> in flames. <laughs> in flames. Uh, all right, last question here. Uh, oh, you know what? I'll do two. I've got from on the stream, thanks to De- Derek Farrett. Sorry, I butchered your name. Derek F. That's why we do that on, on The Athletic. We can just, I'll just have the last initial. <laughs> uh, I, I felt like Adenogy played well at tackle. Did you guys feel the same way? Not at first. <laughs> he had an epic fail in the first preseason game where he had to come in. But yeah, when they when he actually started training for and playing in the preseason, he played better. The thing about this, you know, he's obviously played it before in the regular season when he was younger. But I, everyone likes to rip on Michael Jordan for Burrow's injury. Don't forget who was on the other end of that mm-hmm. sandwich. That was right tackle Akeem Adeniji. And it was not going particularly well for him at that point. I, I don't know. I, I mean... I think there's hope. I think he can be okay. I think he can be serviceable. Uh, I think they'd rather have Isaiah Prince um, if he in full health. But I don't know whether they're going to feel confident at this point. You know, we'll we'll see. Um, but I, I don't have some high level of confidence necessarily. But I think there's reason to believe it could be okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if "well" is the right word, but I. I do. I don't think it. It would be a, a disaster, um, but it. It. It's not ideal, obviously, if he's in there. And I do wonder if, if Isaiah Prince is going to be that move, and, and if he is activated, is is he the guy that either starts for Jonah or comes in if if Jonah can't finish? Yeah. Again, this goes back to like we said last week, how they feel about his health. The fact that there's no window open on him at mm-hmm. this point suggests I, I don't. You know, I mean, I would assume we would have seen an open a window open to get him some practice this week if they felt like he was close. Um, this one from Jordan Beckler. Uh, is it Drew Christman time? Huber has struggled so far this year. Um, it's getting there. Yeah. I mean, it's getting there. I. 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 I you know. Look, it's not like some of the offensive line play or scheme stuff where you're like, whose fault was it? What's going on in there? Like, bad punts are bad punts, okay? And multiple poor punts. And for a guy who was in a competition and his primary competition, to which it was close, is still here. Hmm. Uh, You know, sitting there in the practice squad waiting, and and it's not like the operation has been clean. You know, Evan's... PAT that goes over the uprights is partially caused by, uh, you know, an operation not being perfect. It was a high snap, and Kevin kind of snapped, flinched back a little bit, which you're not supposed to do uh, before getting it down. I think it kind of startled everyone and threw off. Just a tick on that is what causes things like that, where you can end up going over the top of an upright. Um, So... You know, does that mean that they would want to go to Drew Christman? I don't know. I don't know how much, you know, they've got to have confidence that Christman can go out there and do it too. Um, but I will say I does feel like the clock is ticking a bit on Kevin Huber after a, a string of a few bad punts, and it's time for him to to string together a few good punts, have a couple of good games before I think that question could, could um, you know, have an answer before too long. Yeah, might might be worth talking to Darren Simmons today and see where where they stand on that. And um, it is it's they have an open roster spot, and and it, it's it's interesting because it it, it wasn't particularly windy um, in Baltimore, and he Kevin had two really bad punts. Um, it just I don't know. You, you you wonder how long they can stick with him. Yeah, 
Uh, I mean, we'll see. Uh, all right, let's get uh, into Arby's, and then we will uh, wrap this thing up after that with our predictions and such. Uh, all right, Jay, what do what you got for me? Well, you said you had multiple ones, so I'm going to defer to you this week. Well, I did have multiple. I burned oh, but you, one. You, you, oh, well, go, okay, I, I had just... multiple. I burned. I'll go first. Uh, so I had um, obviously wanted to talk to Eli Apple and Von Bell and Trey Hendrickson yesterday. And so typically, it, people might not know this, the locker room opens um, on Wednesdays and Joe Burrow goes in the press conference room and then the locker room opens for anybody that's not going in Joe Burrow can go into the locker room and talk to who they want to. Well, I didn't need Burrow. Jay, you were in there with Burrow. So I was going to go uh, try to get my targets on defense. And so I, I start over. Eli Apple and Von Bell's lockers are right next to each other. Trey Hendrickson's all the way across the room. So I go in the two-for-one spot. I'm standing right near their lockers where they would be coming in whenever the defense comes in from off the field. Uh, people started coming in. I Von did not. And so... I was waiting, and, and there came Eli Apple. He comes walking in. Well, also, Dan Horde was doing the same thing. He had prearranged for Eli Apple to do a pregame segment on the Bengals radio show. Now, I was – I don't have them on me. They're downstairs. I'm wearing my glasses. Um, my bla- I have black rim glasses. So does Dan Horde. Dan Horde and I both clearly, obviously, notoriously very bald and uh, and both walk up looking to talk to Eli at the exact same time. He goes – God damn, y'all two look alike. Which one of y'all's horde? Because he had been told that Dan was coming, and I was just approaching, and uh, and I just you know pointed out Dan's strong. I'm weak. It's okay. Like uh, there, there he is. But it was just Eli Apple looks at Dan and I, Dan and I and just says, "Y'all look alike." Eli Apple, a lot of things you can call him. Calling him a baldist now. <laughs> Not all balds look alike. Well, we kind of do though. We kind of do though. It's okay. Uh, what do you got, Jay? I'd like to see that you two with Josh Brown. Oh yeah, with Josh Brown. I don't know. I try to keep my distance from Josh Brown. Yeah, that's true. He's, he did he's look at an unfortunate. Me, Josh, me, Dan, Josh Brown, and Trent Dilfer all in a line. Can anybody <laughs> tell the difference? <laughs> so mine, um, it this happens a lot where you you do an interview and you're thinking of your next question, and then when you listen back to it, you're like, you catch something that you didn't catch. Well, this happened. In, in video form, it was a Joe Burrow press conference two weeks ago. I think it was the Tuesday before the, the Miami game. And it just started circulating yesterday on Twitter where Ben Baby from ESPN had a very loud cough. Oh, and it it yeah. scared Joe Burrow. He flinched. And I I didn't see it happen live. as it, I, I don't remember that happening. And then all of a sudden the video gets out there. That video has... 2 million views already. The Bengals <laughs> even created their own little shtick with it where they hold up a, a post-it note that says boo, and then they turn it around right before the cough. There's no audio on it. And then when they turn it around that, to say boo, that's when Joe Burrow flinches. It's just crazy how that's taken off. And the it even yesterday, we talked to Lou, Lou Anarumo, and, and maybe he had a lot of good things to say, and maybe we could have brought some audio from Lou on this podcast, but I went back and started transcribing it, and the entire room was coughing. There, I, I didn't notice it because I was so focused on what Lou was saying, but then you play it back, and you're listening to it, and 
every question or every answer that Lou <laughs> has, there's someone coughing and hacking and it's like, what is going on in here? What is up with them? This is, I, I partially blame myself. I mean, people that have listened to this podcast know that I probably sound dramatically different today than I did for like a two week <laughs> stretch. I could har- I mean, I was like a different version of myself. Just, I, I was so sick and even had to take a day in there. So, and I, hopefully I didn't give it to anybody, but it was, you know, that cough happened right around this, that Ben's cough that went viral might have happened the day that I wasn't there because I was sick. Now that I think about it, that's about right. I think you're right. I think it, that was I that think day. that was the day because I was not at that that particular press conference. Yeah, I think uh, we all were feeling it back then, and I think there's it's still circulating right now. It's yeah, it's it's a sick space. Keep your distance. Let's hope it's over. Uh, which which I I recommend everyone keep their distance from us. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's uh let's go run past her boot, Jay. Uh you got a what happens first for us. I like what happens first. Yeah, and it's 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 in the theme of your story with the three former Saints going back to New Orleans. So what happens first Sunday? A Trey Hendrickson sack, a Von Bell tackle for loss, or an Eli Apple pass breakup. <sighs> I you know what? I feel like there's feel like we always see Trey Hendrickson getting one early because I think he mm-hmm. surprises people. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might not surprise people in New Orleans, uh, but Taron Armstead not there anymore, uh, yes. notably. Um, and I know Ramchick has shown up on the injury report. I, I, I'm going to run with Hendrickson. I am going to pass on the bell tackle for loss. By the way, there was a two-play sequence when I went back that I – just didn't catch or didn't focus on in the rewatch of the Ravens game earlier this week. I just haven't mentioned it yet. Where Von Bell, he chases down to the right sideline for a stop on a second down and on a third down goes to the other sideline for a stop up as the Ravens were trying to trying to take advantage of him running running to the edges. And, you know, on, on those check downs or quick hits or whatever they were, receiver screens, and Bell was just all over it, chasing both of them down to force a punt. And it's just like, I mean, plays like that are just so invaluable. Um, I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that. So you, maybe you see something like that happen early. Uh, but I'll say I'll, I'll pass on Bell and I'll, I'll have the Apple PBU. Uh, I'll boot that. Yeah, I have the exact same order. Uh, Von Bell, actually, he leads the team in pass breakups and interceptions, and he's second in tackles for loss. Sam Hubbard has four. Von Bell has three. So you you could see a Von Bell pass breakup and a Von Bell tackle for loss before you see either of the two. But I'm still – I'm with you. I I think Hendrickson has a way of – he just – he gets that that early pressure or sack and kind of kickstarts him into blackout tray mode. And um, I, I think we'll see that first. Uh, and yeah. then Von Bell, Eli Apple, one pass breakup all year. So it just uh, that might be a stretch to try to go with him earlier. Yeah, no doubt. Um, all right. Uh, Bengals growler bet time. Um, as always, hashtag Bengals growler bet to us on Twitter um, or you can send me an email, pdaner at theathletic.com. Make sure you have the word growler in the subject header. Okay, this week, Taysom Hill, who went bonanas last hmm. week in a win against the Seahawks, uh, is going to be a focus. You know, will the Bengals be able to contain him? 
We'll see. Uh, I'm interested to see how that works out. But, I, you know, will he have a game like last week? Let's talk about last week. He carried nine times for 112 yards. He had three touchdowns. He threw a 22-yard touchdown. He recovered a fumble on special teams and returned three kickoffs for 69 yards. That's a week. <laughs> That's a week. Uh, I don't anticipate that happening, but our Bengals growler bet this week, Taysom Hill total yards. That is rushing, passing, receiving, return. Total yards for Taysom Hill. All four of those elements, and obviously last week had a big one. Uh, Jay, you kick it off. So those numbers you just mentioned uh, added up to 203 last week. If people yep. don't want to do the math, I, I he's not going to get anywhere near that this week. Um, I don't even think he sees triple digits this week. I'm going to go 77. 77. Yeah. I don't think they'll have a kick return. No. I don't I don't foresee Darren Simmons wanting to kick to him and if Darren Simmons doesn't want to kick to him, he won't return one because Evan will 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 boot them in the, into the back of the end zone. So for that fact, I don't see any kick returns. That hurts the yardage. I just think the Bengals will do a good job of focusing on being ready for that and they've typically done a pretty good job with this this type of stuff what you want to call it, gadget or running quarterback. I mean, whether it was with Lamar outside of the one that he gets out at the end last week. I mean, they did a great job with him. Uh, I, I just I just think this is the type of thing that the Bengals defense does a good job of focusing on, planning for, being prepared for, and stopping. And I don't think he's going to – maybe he throws some, but I'm going to go even lower. I'm going to say 42. I'm going to hmm. say 42 yards for Taysom Hill this week. I don't think it's as big. That's not a prime number. You abandon your shtick too. No, I'm not. I've been doing prime numbers for a long time. I that was a shtick I tried to start, and I wasn't coming. You're the palindrome guy. I you went know, back so to I'll let, I'll let you. I'll let you have it. Um, <laughs> all right, prediction time. Bengals, Saints, noon local in New Orleans. Burrow and Chase return to the Bayou. What say you, Jay? I think they do it this week. I think they get to 30 points. Um, uh, I'm going to say Bengals 31, Saints 24. Wow. High That's a surprising game. score for me. That's a surprising score for me on both ends. I don't think the Saints offense will be able to do much against this Bengals defense. I, I, there's just a, I just have a lot of questions about what exactly the Saints offense is. And I think they do too. And if it's Winston or Dalton, I don't know which one's better or worse. Um, I could see them crossing 30 if it's Winston because I could see turnovers helping the Bengals get some short fields and rip off some mm -hmm. points. Less so with Andy. Um, and so, but I, I, I still think, I, I don't think the Bengals offense is going to be all the way there. That Saints defense is, is not terrible. Um, they, they've had been really good actually for some long stretches. Uh, however, I do think the Bengals put up some points 24, 13 of them winning. So we both, we both think big wins. We both think big wins and covers. And, uh, I think that only suggests if it isn't that, um, big problems on the horizon. They, I mean, the pitchforks were out this week. Yes. Uh, I don't know what new weapons this would be like an anchor man. 
when like everybody keeps showing up with like new weapons and tridents and <laughs> like you know there's like a there's gonna be you know, oh there's gonna be horseback and jousting I don't know what it'll be what it'll look like a mace but, yeah I mean weapons of choice will be upgraded cannonball I don't know what people will <laughs> use uh, so we, we shall see but I, I anticipate this needs to be a win I'm not going out here not turning in my armband uh, at this point. Uh, but I think I, I would say, uh, you know, I didn't, I'm not going to say must win game, but I'm going to go back to the stretch must win stretch. I still think three and one in these four feels like if you want to be relevant, if you, if you want to get mm-hmm. back to where you are, I do think three and one in this stretch is imperative. Um, and to be sitting there at five and four at the bye and feel good. We shall. See, thanks everybody for listening. We appreciate you coming and joining the podcast. As always, we will be back after the game on Sunday with the walkout myself from New Orleans, fully recovered, I'm sure by that point. Uh, you know, and uh, and Jay will be doing just fine in the staring at his new bills for his new car that he has purchased and and got a great deal on. Thanks to hear that podcast growling and the power of the podcast. So I appreciate that. Uh, So thanks to everybody uh, for listening. We will talk to you next time. Have a good one.